what's going on everyone and welcome in to another edition of be safe daily brendan schaefer here with you for what i think we're now calling season three of be safe daily because we are live from jupiter florida as cardinals camp is well it's technically not underway until wednesday but it's underway the World Baseball Classic guys have all reported to camp. Pitchers and catchers will do so officially on Wednesday. But like I said, it's already kind of going. There's a lot of Cardinals already in camp. We're seeing guys throw. We're seeing guys take their batting practice, take their fielding drills. It's all coming together, baby. Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. I got down here Sunday but I did that again. If you listened to the show last year, you may have recalled me talking about this. I left St. Louis like Saturday night, about eight o'clock local time and got into Jupiter about four 30 local time. So I don't know if that's quite an 18, 19 and a half hour. I'm not even going to do the math right now, but it was a long drive. And so I basically uh, gave up on a full night of sleep and just didn't do it that night. So it's been a couple of days. It takes me a couple of days to to kick the grogginess sort of out, but doing better now. And Monday just didn't quite have time to get it done. Uh, hop on here for B-Shape Daily with you guys. But now we're here and ready to roll. And the story of the day, I think, really, is John Mosellock because the Cardinals president of baseball operations has a contract extension now that will keep him with the team through 2025. But it was interesting to hear the press conference today and of course all sorts of Cardinals topics coming with B-Shape Daily over the uh the next week and and beyond right this is I said season three I kind of consider it the uh official or unofficial whatever kick off of a new season of B-Shape Daily when we start spring training so that's what we're doing here and there will be plenty of topics about the team to talk about but because the news today was the Mosaic extension. I think that's where we're going to kind of stick with this episode. And the press conference was definitely intriguing because you heard from John Mosaic say, yeah, I'm extended through 2025. But the tone of the conversation was more about how, to me anyway, the transition is beginning. The succession plan of what the St. Louis Cardinals might look like post John Mosellock as the president of baseball operations. I think that really began in some small way anyway today with the announcement of the contract. And that might sound a little bit counterintuitive, but I think this was a contract that over the course of the next three years, we're going to see John Mosellock not phased out necessarily, but I, I think the responsibilities are going to change somewhat. And I know a lot of people might be saying, well, wasn't that the whole point of elevating Mo to the title of president of baseball ops as they did some number of years ago, and then having Mike Gersh elevated to the general manager role rather than GM, assistant GM. It was a a change in the organizational structure, president of baseball operations, general manager. And I guess, you know, we don't see behind the scenes of everything that goes on. And some people I know like to, maybe for lack of understanding, minimize the role of Mike Gersh in the organization. But of course, if you're, if you're reading and seeing reports and things that come out, 
about how Gersh was instrumental in putting this trade together or he was working on that. I mean, they have a group of baseball operations people in the front office that are that are all really helping to row the same boat and, and working in the same direction. And so we thought maybe we'd see, I guess, more publicly from Mike Gersh. And I think that was sort of the plan. And honestly, it had started to happen a little bit, maybe 20, and, and I do kind of get my years mixed up, but 2018, 2019, I mean, there were the media at least got to, to talk with Gersh in, in more of a, a formal, you know, setting. A lot of times, Mo Zalock, first game of the, the homestand, you talk to Mo, kind of updates you on what's going on with the team. Sometimes it could be a little bit mundane. He's telling you about injuries and yeah, so-and-so is going to be starting a rehab assignment. Get get those kinds of uh, bits of information. You can get that from Mo or yeah, the Cardinals say you can get that from Gersh. We've got these other members of the front office. Let's use them in those roles. But I think what happened, honestly, whether that was kind of the way they were gearing it around 2019-ish, 2020 happened. That was the COVID year. And I think that sort of pulled pulled back a little bit on, okay, Mo is is the guy guiding this ship above all else, and we're going to hear from him more often than anyone else because this is an unprecedented situation, and, and that's just kind of the way I think it naturally was going to go. But I think we're going to start to see more of those responsibilities maybe uh, divvied up. I don't know if it's going to happen this year, and I don't know how much the fans or even the media will notice a difference right away. But I think by the end of the Mosaic contract, things could look a little bit different. Just based on some of the language that we heard today, Mo talking about, yeah, it's not that we've had conversations about who's taking over after I'm gone. That's not the way this was phrased, but it was more along the lines, and in Mo's words, he said, I want to peel back the curtain a little bit so that other folks in our department have a better idea of what I do on a day-to-day basis. They can peek behind the curtain and kind of see what my, my role is. We can have some expanded responsibilities for some folks in their roles, open collaboration, just a lot of things that sound like positive in general, but without naming any names specifically of the, the people he'd be looking at to perhaps guide this ship in his stead, the, three, four years from now, whatever the case might be, there was definitely a, a tenor of the conversation that, that was looking beyond John Mosellock, which I thought was interesting for a press conference that was announcing his contract extension. But Mo has been at the head of the baseball operations department running the Cardinals essentially since 2007 when he's hired to uh, replace Walt Jockety. And the Cardinals in that time span... Like, almost unbelievably, when you reflect on it, the Cardinals in that time span have never had a losing season since the 2008 season, 15 in a row, winning years for the Cardinals consecutively under John Mosellock. Like, that's incredible. The stability, and again, I know that John Mosellock is sort of, as a, as a figure, is a hot-button topic for a lot of Cardinals fans because... You know, y'all are getting kind of antsy, right? And I understand it. Cardinals haven't won the World Series since 2011. It's over a decade at this point. 
And despite the general run of success, the playoff appearances, the occasional deep run into the playoffs, you get back to the World Series in 13, you have a 100-win season in 15, but you lose early, and then you miss the playoffs for three years in a row, back in the NLCS for 19, have been in the playoffs every year since, but no series wins since 2019. So folks are antsy, right? And because of the generally very high expectations that Cardinals fans hold for this team, and and for good reason. I mean, they've had a lot of talent come through here, and, and winning should be the priority every year. But because of those expectations and the, the notion that they haven't won at all in, in a little bit of time at this point, people look for people to blame. And, and John Moselak is in charge of this thing, and a lot of times he takes flack for the moves that they didn't make, but people thought they should have made, or for the moves that were made, but they ended up being bad moves, bad trades, bad signings, whatever the case might be. But I think we really need to kind of keep context in mind here at some point. 15 winning seasons in a row. The stability the organization has had, I don't think that's just empty bluster and and something that, that feels nice to say, but you can turn around and go, yeah, but what does it mean if you're not racking up World Series wins? No, I, I think it is important. Uh, and and even though a lot of times it, it sounds like, well, you're stumping for ownership if you, if you pick up these talking points. But guys, they've got a point. I mean, when you talk about the stability and the fact that they haven't had to, and Bill DeWitt brought this up again today at the press conference, but the fact that they haven't had to have one of those or any of those tanking seasons, those seasons where you go, yeah, it's a rebuild. It's going to be, there are going to be some lean years ahead, Cardinals fans. The Cardinals have never come into a season saying, yep, there are going to be some lean years ahead, and this is one of them. I know from 16 to 18, they didn't make the playoffs, but they were 86, 83, 88 wins in those seasons. It just, the league around them, and again, 83 is not really a, a number that you should expect to be able to get into the playoffs with, but you might remember they they had done it before in 06. That was their win total, and they won the World Series. So you can compare it that way and say they were on the cusp. They just didn't get into the playoffs in those years. But to their credit, there have been very few games over the course of the last 15 years where it was meaningless to the Cardinals. The outcome didn't matter to the St. Louis Cardinals. That just has not really been the case. And so... I don't know what the general consensus is from Cardinals fans. If folks are happy about the Mosaic extension, if there are people outside of like the little Twitter verse, which is not real life. It's not, I know, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance that you're on Twitter because you may have met me through that. And that's how you got turned on to be shaved daily, whatever the case might be. Maybe you're not on it. doesn't matter. But I think it's important that we realize that, what we see on Twitter or social media, that's not what the entire Cardinals fan base thinks. That's just one segment of the population, and the sample size is this is the people who happen to use this social media platform. On there, I would say it skews rather heavily toward criticism because everybody that is on there and is talking about the team and, and reading about the team on on such a regular basis you you guys are locked in on this stuff. You you have strong opinions. 
Uh, you care a lot about it. And the passion of Cardinals fans is uh, part of what makes it so special in St. Louis and, and the relationship between the fans and the team. But I think it's also important to not go overboard when we look at a situation like John Mosellac signing this contract extension and people are like, oh boy, two more years of Mo. Like, I mean, I guess you're welcome to feel that way. But I thought from the press conference today that my sort of takeaway was, wow, this is a unique situation. It's unique to have, first of all, by the end of his contract, Mosellac will have been a uh, member of the Cardinals for 30 years. It was the mid-90s when he first joined in his words today, at an entry-level position and and worked his way up due to, uh, well, a lot of things. He said he was lucky. That was the first word that came to Mo's mind when thinking about kind of reflecting on the journey to this point. But he also credited the relationship that he's built over the years with Bill DeWitt, which that kind of goes without saying, right? It's obvious. I have been saying for a while on, on this podcast, I, I'm sure I've said it on here, multiple times, that John Mozeliak will pick his end date with the Cardinals. He'll net, you know, the 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 fire Mo lexicon, that's, that's something that I've seen before on social media. You've probably seen it too. It's kind of funny that that even exists because it's so far-fetched and, and really always has been. Like, that's never a reality that's going to happen. It's just not. And I've always said, like, he'll stop being the president of baseball operations when he decides it's time just to no longer have that role. And I just kind of sensed it a little bit today that I, that could be coming maybe sooner than people think, even despite this contract extension, because if they're talking about divvying up roles and, and responsibilities within the front office and, and sort of spreading the wealth around, making sure the next generation, so to speak, is equipped to carry on the legacy that that Mo hopes to leave. I mean, there was some talk today in the press conference about, you know, John Mozeliak wearing a red jacket. I think 100% that's going to happen. And if you heard Bill DeWitt's response, which was he basically said, you know, I don't want to want to spoil it or give anything away because he's not, he's not retiring or leaving us yet. But, yeah, I envision... <laughs> The owner of the team envisions that being in, in the future for John Mozeliak, and it's completely right. For all the, the flack that he takes, it it's pretty remarkable the very stable machine that they have been able to build over the years. And I do think sometimes people, Cardinals fans, take it for granted because you can look across the league. It's a, some of the teams that have won World Series more recently than the Cardinals or have you know, been to multiple World Series or have done this or done that. And you could say, well, why aren't the Cardinals doing this? Why didn't it? But you, you're not going to find many teams that are consistently in the mix the way the Cardinals are. And I know that can be frustrating because some fans feel like that's just used as a cop-out to say, well, because you made the playoffs or because you got in the wild card series or because you even won the division, that means you don't have to have urgency to improve in the next year. And I think a lot of times that's equated very strictly toward, okay, what's the payroll? What are they spending to try and improve the team? Which is a totally reasonable way to feel because you're looking across, in particular, the National League. Like, these are the competitors of the Cardinals, and that's what those teams are doing. The Dodgers, always a sky-high payroll. They sort of 
didn't go crazy in free agency this offseason because I think they're trying to reset that luxury tax penalty and then probably go absolutely hog wild next year in in whichever, you know, guys are available in that free agent class. I guess Otani might be one. But, you know, the Dodgers are always going to spend. The Mets are now a factor in the National League spending. We saw the Giants really try to make a run with more spending. Tried to get Carlos Correa. Of course, that didn't end up happening. But like the Atlanta Braves, they don't really spend. But boy, do they find ways to get good trades done and good signings done. Early extensions for some of their young star players, the core, like the Atlanta Braves are a force to be reckoned with. The Phillies, another good example. They make the World Series, and then they go out and sign Trey Turner to a massive contract. Like, around the game this offseason, we saw a lot of that type of movement, aggressive moves by the teams the Cardinals are competing directly against in the National League to try and essentially get one of those top two spots. Because we've talked about this before. If you're worried about the randomness associated with a best two out of three wildcard series and Cardinals fans obviously are Bill DeWitt has said yeah we're not fond of you know the the notion of you can play a whole season win a division and yeah it's a new reality that you can lose two games and be out of the playoffs it's what happened to the Cardinals last year but it sort of goes back to well there is a way around that you can avoid the best two out of three altogether but you got to win more games during the regular season and I think when you it's just the reality. When you look at what other teams around the National League are doing, whether we think the Cardinals could or should be spending to those levels, we know for certain that they will not be doing that. It's just not their model. It's not the way they go about things. We can talk a lot about whether that model has been tested, and I think it is being tested. I think the modern game and and the, the contracts and the, the need almost for superstar caliber players like it's one thing to be able to sign the star players but you've also got to develop some of them and you've got to make good effective trades at the right time there are some juggernaut organizations out there that have been doing a little bit of all of that and really I think the only thing the Cardinals won't ever do is sign those massive contracts because you can just hear it in Bill DeWitt's voice with the way they approach the notion of risk like you have to take risk in sports to be able to get where you want to go. But the Cardinals are pretty measured in the way they approach that. And although it has not led to, you know, a dynasty of, of pulling down world series at the rate where like even the Astros have, you know, they've got, they got a couple in the bag. They're, they're winning championships while the Cardinals have not been able to get over the hump in at least the last decade plus. They're always in the mix. They haven't been able to take that next step. And I, I do think the Cardinals subscribe to the randomness of the postseason is such that we can't pretend that spending an extra $100 million on payroll, an extra $150 million on payroll, you know, doubling our payroll, pulling the New York Mets, like whether the Cardinals could financially afford to do that is immaterial. Like it's not even, you can debate that if you want. I don't find it particularly interesting because we can, exist in the reality phase where we know that they're just not going to. And so then you examine their model for what it is and say, all right, they know you got to be able to fill voids on your roster and free agency, but it, they, they do it in such specific ways. The Wilson Contreras and, and the other two weren't free agency, but 
essentially signing long contracts or, or taking on long contracts for guys that you know were going to be fits for the Cardinals. I'm talking about Goldschmidt and Arenado. So they know what their model is, and they're working to try and, and get it to the next level at this point. And it was interesting that John Mozeliak felt it's necessary for him to be around for that over the next few years. Like it was something that there was there were reports and some speculation that maybe Mo would be would be done after this year. His contract was up. It was a little little curious, right? That Mike Gersh, Randy Flores, the scouting director, those guys had been signed to extensions beyond this year. They were under contract, but Mo wasn't. And so that led to some speculation. And there might have been, you know, a thought to hang it up if you're John Mozeliak after 2023. But I think they felt the transition and the legacy, again, back to that word legacy, that he wants to leave, could use the benefit of a couple more years. But I don't know if that means that Mo is the president of baseball ops in the way that we currently know it and envision it. Like when you think of Mo and the role that he has, he's still pretty much all of it, right? The guys underneath him within the department do a, a lot of great things. Randy Flores deserves a ton of credit for what he's done with some of these recent drafts. The 2020 draft could end up being in a in a year where COVID was going on and you only had the the five rounds and it was it was stripped down significantly from what it had been in previous seasons. You weren't really able to scout those players as effectively, right? Because those college seasons were canceled. Some high school seasons were canceled. I mean, crazy circumstances of 2020. And that Cardinals draft class has a chance to be incredibly influential over what the next decade of Cardinals baseball looks like. I mean, you're talking about Jordan Walker, who's going to arrive on the scene this year. Mason Wynn. Might be a little behind that, but I think by 2024, you expect to see what maybe uh, have a better idea anyway of what Mason Wynn's role is going to be in this organization. Could be a big leaguer by then. Tink Hens is a guy that's going to be very interesting to watch this spring. Very young pitching prospect, but starting to come into his own a little bit and get opportunities. So, I mean, that's that 2020 draft class. That's Randy Flores, and, and he's... Under contract with the team, Gersh under contract with the team, and so I I don't know how it would have looked. I don't know. Like, like again, today Mo said no, we haven't. He was asked. Matt Pauley of KMOX asked the question, asked Mo whether. Well, you know, actually, what I could do is I could just play it for you. Wouldn't that be smarter than me paraphrasing it? Uh, Here from Matt Pauley, he asked this question to John Mosaic. I thought it was a very interesting question. I thought the answer was interesting as well. Take a listen to this. You mentioned the changes and other people getting to step up. Have those conversations privately already started happening with other people in the organization? Not really, but as uh, you know, we were thinking of the, the next few years, I think it's critical that we have a strategy in place and what that looks like. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean like the who's next, but it gives people more expanded uh, responsibilities in the roles, gives them more opportunity to see how things are done. Uh, perhaps maybe the easiest way to say it is a little bit more of a look behind the curtain of what I do. And that was John Mozeliak answering the question about, you know, have those conversations begun about what what it could look like for for new folks to step up? And I don't think it's quite so formal as that yet, but you heard Mo. I hope you did anyway. Like, 
It was windy on that patio, sound quality, not high from my recording. So I apologize for that. That's what it sounded like to me. It's kind of hard to hear at times, but I think you get the gist of it. Yeah, they haven't really said, okay, Mike Gerser is going to be, he's going to take my job, or Randy Flores is going to be the guy that's going to be the new Mo. You know, I don't think it's gone so far as that, but I do think these are maybe the beginning stages of those two guys in particular looking in their direction to say, I mean, hey, this the show is going to go on long after I'm gone, and so who's going to pick up that mantle? I think it's going to be a combination of a lot of people, but now is the part that sort of begins that learning curve because the idea of stability in this industry that often does not see this type of steady hand, this type of stability that organizationally you have 15 years go by and there've been ups and downs and certainly some tumultuous times, right? You had the, the hacking scandal that took place during this run. You've had the, everything that went on with COVID. I mean, there've been a lot of things that have happened. Not all of them have been sunshine and roses. I mean, you've had multiple managers hired and fired, right? You had Matheny replace Larusa. He gets fired. Mike Schilt, short stay. Just a few years as manager, he's fired. Like, that was kind of unusual for a, a team that we talk about the stability as a a real calling card for the St. Louis Cardinals. So, like, there have been those sorts of things to have to deal with. But I would say the Cardinals, if with frequency, come out on the, the better side of those things. And John Mozilla, I think, deserves a lot of credit for that. And so the idea that it's just going to magically happen, that they'll be able to, whoever comes in next, pick up the mantle and... and have it just go smoothly. I don't think that happens automatically. It doesn't happen with a lot without a lot of hard work and uh, intentionality by by the organization to say, "Hey, here's the job I do. Learn it, and maybe maybe that will equip you guys or you know whoever it might be." I don't. I I truly believe when Mo says, "Ah, oh, we're not having those conversations about it yet." I think that's true. I think if you're Randy Flores, you're Mike Gersh, your your ears are kind of perked up because you know the situation and you know that there might be some more responsibilities on your plate as early as, I mean, maybe as early as 2023, but certainly to me, 2024, 2025 is where we really might start to see some evidence of of some differences in the Cardinals front office. And the reason I say that is, again, it comes directly from John Mozilek. So I want to go ahead and play. This was a clip actually from his opening remarks after Bill DeWitt spoke said some kind things about Mo, talked about sort of the the, the background to uh, what what Mosaic's tenure in this role has been. And then Mo had an opportunity to, uh, to, to kind of make his opening remarks. And here's what he said toward the end of, of that little speech that sort of put the bug in everybody's ear about, yeah, you know, we we want stability and, and we recognize that that's hard to come by. And for that reason, there's going to be some changes coming to the front office, listen carefully to the words that he said and, and see if you had the same impression maybe as I did from the entire situation. Here's John Mosellock from today's press conference. Finally, as we look ahead, you know, the, the reason we agreed on this was, was we felt like stability was important. We looked at, at where we've been, what we're still trying to do. Our goal is to still win a World Series. We're going to put our best foot forward on that. But we also um, are grateful for what we have below and how we continue to build on that. So 
you know, I do think it's an exciting time. Bill touched on it. Uh, we have a very strong major league club. We have a really strong minor league system. You combine that with an outstanding scouting staff, it usually leads to a pretty successful model. So, um, super excited about the next few years. I know there's going to be some change coming over the next few years. Um, we certainly want to give individuals at the company and within the organization opportunities to grow, um, expand some of their roles, and uh, over the course of the next year or so, we'll work through all of that. So, at that, I'll take a few questions. So you hear Mo there at the beginning of that clip talking about the reason we agreed to this is because of the importance of stability. And then he began talking and sort of reiterating some of the points that Bill had made about how difficult it is to win at the major league level while drafting effectively, while developing talent effectively in order to sustain success as an organization, which again, I don't think it can be argued that the Cardinals haven't done that even though there haven't been uh, the World Series championships over the past 10, 11, 12 years, whatever it's been now since 2011, you, you still can't really knock the consistency with which the Cardinals have been a factor on a regular basis in the National League. And they've done so by, again, staying true to the model, right? Like when John Mozeliak was hired, that was a bit of a controversial decision. Bill DeWitt mentioned that today that when he was chosen to replace Watsakity, the reasoning for that in DeWitt's mind was for as much success as they had under Jockey and as fun as those years were, DeWitt, and I think this is a, a major part of what Bill DeWitt's legacy should be in terms of caretaker of the Cardinals organization as, as the team's owner, obviously, for all these years, he kind of recognized the shift in the game that was either Already sort of happening, you know, Moneyball was what, 2003? I'm not so sure. I'm a little fuzzy on the years, but early 2000s, you kind of have those Moneyball Oakland Athletics running around and Walt Jockey doing his thing, big contracts, trading for veterans because the the teams that they're on don't really want to pay them. Like the, the, some of the moves that were made, like it worked for its time, but I think Bill DeWitt recognized that that wasn't going to work forever. It was not sustainable in in the market like St. Louis, in, in or, or you could say given what the ownership was going to be willing to spend, it just wasn't, it wasn't going to be the model. They really wanted to prioritize draft and develop and then supplement the roster from there rather than wheel and deal and, and basically have a large chunk of the roster ultimately come from outside the organization, and, and you kind of put it together that way. It worked for the time, but I think Bill DeWitt was right in that you you did need to begin to establish a, a different way of, of doing things. And under Moselec, the Cardinals have done a great job of that, and it's the relationship that he's developed with and alongside Bill DeWitt over the years that now affords him what I consider to be a pretty rare opportunity. And that's to kind of do the thing that we've been saying he would get the chance to do all along and and choose your exit. Pick your own way of going out and, and doing it on your terms. And today, today, to me, kind of felt like the beginning of that a little bit for Mo, where he's going to be around. But you heard even at the end of that clip when he said, that's something we're going to start to figure out over the next year or so. He didn't say at the end of my contract, which is a three-year deal two years and then uh, the the one that we're currently in that's three signed for two more and, and you've got 23 already he didn't say at the end of that we're going to really start to transition this thing he said 
we're going to give some opportunities. And that's going to happen over the course of the next year that we're going to get some of that squared away. So maybe I'm reading too much into it. Or maybe John Mozeliak means exactly what he said that he meant by over the next year. Which says to me, things could look a little bit different for 2024. And then by 2025, even more different than than that. So I think it's going to be a, a, a little bit gradual, but I could envision the implementation of some of the things that maybe they thought were going to happen more rapidly back in 2018, 19. And then COVID sort of happened in, in the last couple of years have been, I mean, they're still talking about this spring training is like, Oh, it's finally back to normal. And it's right because 2020 spring training was impacted. Obviously 2021 was completely insane with the restrictions on camp. And then 2022 had the lockout. So this really is the first uh, normal camp in a while. And there's the World Baseball Classic. So how normal is it really? But you've got all of those things going on. So in light of all that, I think a lot of these recent years and these recent seasons have been just kind of trying to get through it in in a lot of different ways, especially when you look at it through the lens of spring training. I think moving forward, it's going to be more about how can we set this thing up for the future and and a a potential and impending transition whenever that may come to pass. It's interesting, rare though, for a a man, an executive in John Mozeliak's position to be able to kind of have a have have his hand on exactly what that looks like. John Mozeliak said he was lucky today, clearly grateful for that opportunity and for the years that they've had. He's not going anywhere yet, but it's something to keep an eye on. It is interesting. And then, like, what does that mean in terms of the urgency of the organization to win another one while Mo's still here? How does Bill DeWitt feel about wanting to get it in the near future, like the fans are obviously hungry for it. I think it's pretty clear too that that those two gentlemen that were in the in the podium seats today feel the same way about it. It's just it, it's difficult to do, and you got to have kind of all the stars aligned. But I will say this: with the veterans the Cardinals have right now, you think about the the, the leadership core. Goldschmidt, Arenado, Wainwright's still there, obviously, for this this year. And then the next generation of guys that have some real talent that are they're kind of established now under the scene. You think about Tommy Edmond. You can think about even that next layer of guys that they've got a little bit of experience and they've shown what they could do. Brendan Donovan's a good example. You can think about Lars Newbar as a good example of like, hey, you know, this could be a really big season for some of these guys to make an even larger impression than we've already seen. You've got guys like Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, who have had at times in their past, a lot of expectations for their ability. And they've been able to back that up at times, but last year wasn't one of those years. Jack Flaherty, another example injury in really all three of their cases have been deterrents in that, but you've got a lot of interesting pieces. And then you've got young guys. Like if Jordan Walker bursts onto the scene, is it and he's a star that suddenly I, the Cardinals have never used the term window, like a championship window. They don't like it. They don't agree with its usage. And I would say if you have a track record of we've had a winning season for 15 consecutive years, yeah, you would probably push back on the notion of, oh, our window is about to close because that's just not the way the Cardinals have done things. And I think that's 
something they deserve credit for, not something to rip them for. But again, I win more World Series. Absolutely. Win the World Series is cool. And, you know, you'd like to see him do it more recently than 2011. Totally get it. But I think it's very interesting that you can kind of look at where they're at. And if you squint your eyes a little bit, tilt your head, you can really see a scenario where by midsummer, they've got some things humming and you add a piece or two at the deadline. And you could make that aggressive push with this current regime. I'm not saying I'm predicting it. I'm just saying I think it's interesting that the pieces from enough different parts of the roster could come together. I still think the pitching situation is interesting. Wednesday, again, pitchers and catchers officially report. We'll start to get more kind of camp physicals and really get a feel for how guys are and and hopefully no injuries crop up from that. But what have we seen really for each of the last seven or so years since I've been covering this team? There are injuries in spring training almost every year, often significant ones, often to the pitching staff. So I don't say this from any belief that there's scuttlebutt in camp already about certain guys. There isn't. I haven't heard anything like that yet. Whereas there have been years in the past when I can remember, like, for instance, watching Miles Michaelis in 2021, throwing bullpen sessions like, why isn't he throwing the ball? And he said, oh, we're just, you know, we're, we're, we're just kind of ramping up, gearing up, and, and just kind of working on some off-speed stuff. No, like, you physically couldn't throw it. <laughs> that information eventually comes out. But so far, nothing like that. So we'll have to wait and see. Hold on to your butts, right? This, this is just the way these things go sometimes. But if the Cardinals can stay relatively healthy and have some of those guys that each of them would look you in the face and tell you, I didn't perform up to expectations last year, but I'm hoping it's going to be different now. You never know where things could could end up. It's not always going to work out to the, the 99th percentile of what you hope for each of those guys. But I don't know. I think there are enough talented guys on this roster that if more of them end up a heads up than a than a tails situation on on the rejuvenation of certain careers could have an inter- interesting mix and like I haven't even said the name Juan Yepes I haven't said the name Nolan Gorman on today's podcast but those are <laughs> those are guys that are here at camp that are young players that are, are are obviously have raw talent and are looking to establish themselves and and be big contributors so I think it's one of the most interesting Cardinals camps we have seen in some time and I'm I'm intrigued to see how it begins to really all start to fall into place beginning uh, on Wednesday. So I appreciate you guys for joining me for this edition of B-Shape Daily. I hope you'll be on board with future episodes. The plan here, I'll be here at spring training till the end of the week. And the plan is uh, daily episodes until I begin my drive, my 19-hour odyssey back to Missouri. But uh, apologies for not getting one on Monday. But I'll tell you, I was writing up until about 1.30 a.m. And uh, I just have not been getting enough sleep. So... Got on the board today. We'll try to keep it on the board for tomorrow. Make sure you're locked in on B-Shape Daily. Spotify, Apple Podcasts are the best two places to find us. And if you're so inclined, it's going to be a big year for the podcast. I'm telling you now. So get locked in. But check out Patreon if you're uh, wanting to support the show. Patreon.com slash B-Shafer12. Same as my Twitter handle. So appreciate you guys as always. Hit me up on Twitter too at B-Shafer12. Direct message. Let me know what you want to hear about in terms of uh, topics for the podcast. Obviously, there will be news and players and things going on that we'll get the chance to talk about throughout this week. But um, after I leave, certainly there will be some more big picture topics the way we did last week 
that we'll have the chance to really dive into. And I'll try to get into some of the, the interesting things I've seen at camp. They uh, haven't really done any of that for this episode because we, again, focused on the big news of the day. But there's some fun stuff going on. Lars Newbar, some batting practice today. Got to see Moises Gomez take some batting practice. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on, and I think that's only going to continue to be the case as camp evolves. So appreciate you guys for joining me for this one. We're on to season three now. Stick with it. Subscribe, follow, all that good stuff. Rate and review. That'd be wonderful, too. And uh, we'll have a little bit of fun this year. So thank you guys once again, and we'll talk to you next time on Be Shaped Daily. Peace.